Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. And it doesn't get much better than watching your grandchildren's eyes light up with wonder and curiosity. The book we'll be talking about today is guaranteed to do just that. Our guest, Anita Sylvie, has drawn upon her well-honed talents and extensive experience as an author and children's book expert to coordinate with the amazing staff at National Geographic Kids and produce a true treasure for children of all ages. The book is called Unforgotten, The Wildlife of Diane Fossey and Her Relentless Quest to Save Mountain Gorillas. And boy, her quest was relentless. I can't wait to find out more. So welcome, Anita. Oh, thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, first off, I know you've devoted much of your life uh, focusing on young people and encouraging them to want to read and explore the world around themselves through the pages of a book. But even by your standards, this one has to be extra special. It's so well done. The story's amazing. And congratulations. Well, I, you know, when you do a National Geographic book, um, you get part of the credit, do you know what I mean? And then the amazing staff at National Geographic gets an enormous amount of credit. I mean, when you do a book with them, I mean, I have a photo editor. I have somebody assigned to me to find the best photos and, you know, the things that will reproduce best in a book. And, and you know, they have, cons- they have consultations with me. They bring back things. We have a back and forth. I mean, normally when you do nonfiction with any other publisher, you have to go find the photos. You know, you have to do the permissions, all of that. Here, they just really go the extra mile to um, create a book that, even if if you don't feel like reading it on a hot summer's day, um, you can page through and look at the photos. And, you know, in in this case, there's so many gorgeous pictures of gorillas, um, you know, throughout the book. So... Um, it's always, for me, it's always a joy when I see that final bound book from National Geographic because it always exceeds my expectations. You know, I've seen it in many, many stages, but there's something about uh, I have a bound copy with a dust jacket, and when you turn away the dust jacket, there is this fabulous silverback gorilla on the cover just looking out of you and saying, come get to know me in Africa. So that's a lot of what the book is about. Well, and speaking of that, I mean, it must be, if if Diane is somewhere looking down, you know, she has to be very excited about this. And what I thought was wonderful, again, I mentioned Children of All Ages, and we did have a chance to chat. It is a book, even if you don't have grandchildren, pick this book up because it will delight you, amaze you, and give you all sorts of new insights into her journey. But her story, bringing it for a younger generation, I, I thought it was really, really special. And I'm wondering... I I mentioned to you, too, that I found so many surprises in this book about her that I didn't know. How about you? I, I, you've, you know, obviously knew who she was and, and read the uh, Gorillas in the Mist, and et cetera, but tell us some of the things that might have intrigued you and, and you know, turned your eyes in a different fashion. 
Well, one of the things I found intriguing about her, um, she, you know, she came from a well-to-do family, and in fact, they suffered not at all during the Depression. And she retained a love of fine clothing and jewelry all her life. And so, you know, she'd be wearing, you know, clothes to go be an explorer in, and then she'd come out for her uh, sorties into civilization, and she'd be dressed in designer clothes and wonderful jewelry, and <laughs> she would, you know, she, that's not what I expect somehow or another out of because uh, explore because you know basically the, while she was out in the wild she was eating as she said potatoes and spam you know I mean this is not a um, th- this is not a fashionable life so there were many aspects to her I did not realize um, how much physical pain she went through how many she got pneumonia several times she broke bones um, you know fractures muscle pulls. Um, all kinds of things where she had to be carried, sometimes in a stretcher, down the mountain several miles to get her any kind of hospital care. So she was not... Jane Goodall, who I wrote about before, Jane was the, the daughter of a race car driver, and she was known for just, uh, like, incredible stamina and, and never getting sick. You know, she just, uh, you know, managed to stay out in the wilderness and be incredibly healthy. But that was not true for Diane. She really went through a lot of pain to be able to be with the creatures that she loved. And in her case, the creatures that she fell in love with on an African safari were mountain gorillas. Wow. And, you know, getting back to what surprised you about her wardrobe uh, taste, etc., I also, you mentioned in the book that, uh, you know, she had a larger-than-life personality and liked being the center of attention. So I think in addition to all the physical things that she went through, that must have been quite a mental and emotional shock to isolate herself so much. Yes, exactly, because she was so good when she was, you know, in public. I mean, and um, she loved, you know, she loved big dinner parties and throwing them, and and um, and she was tall. You know, she's over six feet, so um, she's a, you know, a very uh, resting presence to begin with. And then, you know, she has this personality. The other thing that really surprised me when she lived in Louisville before she went to Africa, she lived on a farm, and she had virtually every pet and animal that you can have legally on a farm in Louisville, Kentucky. I mean, she just, you know, she just loved animals, and she just had hordes of them, you know, lots of dogs, lots of cats, the whole thing. But what shocked me is, so she goes into the mountains of Rwanda, you know, she's high up in the mountains, she still has a menagerie of pets. She has a brown boxer. She has a blue monkey who created all kinds of problems, <laughs> chickens, bir- exotic <laughs> birds. I mean, she's still running a pet menagerie back in the camp. And what she would talk about, she would talk about the antelope would, and, and bushbacks would come in at night, and they would start playing with the dog and the monkey. Do you know what I mean? Like the wild animals <laughs> would play. <laughs> so she, when she left her gorillas, she came home to her, you know, to all of her pets. And I, I just, I never thought some, I never thought someone was somebody that's setting up that kind of camp is going to have a wide range of pets. But she absolutely did her whole time. Her first two chickens were named Lucy and Desi after I love Lucy. So. <laughs> <laughs> and she had great oh names for them. And yeah, and just never was afraid from, was never was away from animals. So you know, which is a wonderful thing. 
Oh, my gosh. Well, and Anita, too, you did mention Jane Goodall, and I want to talk, I want to get back to this book specifically, but I know you have a series featuring women uh, like Jane and uh, Diane. And So tell us about the Trimates and how Lewis Lakey changed Diane's life and the lives of those other women. Well, Lewis Lakey was one of the premier archaeologists of his time, he and his wife Mary, and they were digging for bones of early man. And because he was so interested in early man, Lakey decided that um, if he could have people go out and observe our closest cousins in the wild, and by the way, so chimpanzees share 99% of our DNA, and gorillas share 98% of our DNA. So um, if we, he thought if those cousins... Um, and I think orangutans are 97. So if if observers could go and see how they lived, he might get some insights into how early man lived, which would help man and woman, which would help him in his archaeological work. And he was director of the Croydon Museum, and um, Jane Goodall came to be his secretary. And he took her, it was, it's a wonderful interview that he gave her. He took her around in a Land Rover, and pointed to animals in the you know that they came across and to see if she could identify them and she could identify every single one of them she was completely an animal nut and so he made her the he said I I want you to I want to set up a research station for you um where she was was Gombe in Tanzania and he said to observe chimpanzees to do the longest study of chimpanzees that we've had now jane did not even have a college degree she had a secretarial degree um they couldn't afford it the family couldn't send her on to college at that point she's eventually going to get a doctorate you know i mean she's eventually got every degree in the world but so and but he said he liked people whose minds were uncluttered by scientific theory and he thought women made the best observers that they just watched and wrote down what they saw and that's really what he wanted. So he sent Jane out. By the way, she went into an area. This is a story about her that still just completely stuns me. They weren't going to allow her to go as a as a lone woman into um, that area unless she had a chaperone. So her mother agreed to help her go set up camp in this absolute oh wilderness. <laughs> I know. I mean, you know, I know some good moms. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I know really good mom. A chaperone, like a you know, sixty-five, seventy-year-old woman. You know, okay, don't worry, honey, I'll protect you. You know, Jesus. Exactly. Her mother's older than she is. I don't know what they thought her mother was going to be able to do, but they but they gave her mother a lot of medicine and you know, just said help people. You know, set up a clinic, help people. Um, my editors at Nat Geo kept saying to me, Anita, you have to talk about her medical training. You know, you you don't mention that, and and I had to say. She had no medical training. You know, they just gave her medicines. (laughs) They gave her medicines. She set up a clinic. She created a lot of goodwill for Jane while Jane could go out and research. And she literally stayed with her for about six months until everything was running smoothly. So at any rate, these women were going into places, you know, women had not gone. They were going into um, situations that they, they were doing more on ground research than anyone 
had ever done with these animal groups, people would go in and do two or three weeks' worth of observation and then come away and believe that they understood the animals. And um, Berute Galdakos, who um, went to study orangutans in, in Borneo, um, she is still there. In, she's in her 70s. She still lives in that wow. out-of-the-way station um, where not only does she observe them, she helps to rehabilitate um, the animals in the wild. That's become a, you know, a really big part of conservation in this day and age. So um, yeah, she never left. And um, Diane um, went on an African safari, saw the mountain gorillas, her last stop, it literally was like, you know, your eyes lock across a crowded room and you're in, you know, love at first sight. And oh, she was in love my. with these animals and she had to find a way back. So she wrote a lot of newspaper articles. And, you know, then the minor miracle happens. Louis Leike comes to give a lecture in Lexington, Kentucky. And she goes and, and stands in line and presses her articles into his hands and says to him, I, I want to study. I want to be with these gorillas. And he, he didn't say go away. He said let's have breakfast because Diane was exactly the kind of researcher he was hunting for. You know, she was enthusiastic. She was gutsy. She was strong, um, strong personality. And he thought she could make a great success of it. So he found funding and she turned her life upside down and headed off um, finally six months later um, to go um, set up what was at first a temporary camp, and then a few months later she set up her permanent camp in the mountains of Rwanda um, where she could have served the gorillas. Now, by the way, Diane's been a smoker for all her life, so her lungs are a bit scarred, and sometimes to do the climbing in the mountain she'd have to take an oxygen tank along with her. I mean uh-huh. this is the kind of this is the kind of sacrifice that she was willing to make, you know, um to go do this. So she was able to be she had eighteen years of research in the field, um, working with mountain gorillas and manage and this is the beautiful part of the story is she brought a, eventually brought a lot of doctoral students in there, you know, she trained them her students stayed in the area. They became part of the conservation movement there. They, you know, they did all kinds of things to um, raise awareness in that area. You know, one of the problems can be that you can have a magnificent creature in your area, but if people in the area don't value it, you know, they're not going to do anything to preserve it. So a lot of what they had to do was education and, you know, educating people about how. Um, amazing these animals actually were. So she had, a, you know, a whole, uh, really a whole army of devoted conservationists out in the field and working by the time she died, and they've been able to carry on her work. Oh, my gosh. Anita, just listening to anybody listening to you, I can tell your <laughs> identification, your love, your enthusiasm for the trimates. I do want to say that word again because I love it instead of, you know, obviously uh, play on words with primates. But, oh, my gosh, listening to you, I got a combination of goosebumps and tears in my eyes about these incredible <laughs> women and the way that they changed 
so much of science and I, isn't that great that that Louis Lakey identified that you know women could be observers women could you know because at the time you know we were definitely second class citizens and oh I just anyway <laughs> I'm, I'm rattling on and on but this book is so wonderful but listening to you talk about it makes me even happier I have it in my hands right now Oh, well, thank you. Well, they, you know, I mean, it is an amazing story, and, you, you know, I think I think in some cases, you know, adults get involved into the adult story of their life. You know, if, if you're a kid, all you have to do is just want to, you know, page through this and look at all these great gorilla portraits and, you know, get to know. Um, I introduce a lot of Diane's favorite gorillas in the book as well and we have a family yes. album in the back and so you really feel like you know a couple a couple pages on a gorilla's day like when i started researching this i thought i have no idea what a gorilla does during the day you know i mean that, that <laughs> i've never thought about the fact that a gorilla has a schedule Few of us have Anita. <laughs> that's why we need your book <laughs> that's right i mean they have a schedule they have a day and they have to eat about 75 pounds of plants which is a, you know that takes wow. a little digestion so um, one of the things that Diane learned how to do was to belch like a gorilla, you know, because she wanted to be accepted. By... <laughs> so I guess if you eat, you know, 50 pounds of plants, you belch a little. But anyway, so, you know, um, a lot of what I'm telling, of course, I'm telling Diane's stories, but I'm also telling the gorilla stories, and those are awfully fun to do. Wow. Well, I just have to say, uh, again, this book is for children of all ages. At, uh, before we have to close, Anita, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners uh, or maybe, you know, what you hope your readers will take away from this wonderful book? Well, I, you know, it's a, it's the story of a life, but what I realized after I finished it, it, this is really a love story. You know, this is a love story between Diane Fossey and the gorillas and i start the, i ended up starting the book out with a chapter called holding hands when the first gorilla that touched diane grabbed her hand and you know it ends with her tombstone which basically said uh, you know diane fossey no one loved gorillas more so it really is about um her love of a species and her willingness to do anything to try to keep that species alive and thriving in the wilderness and the good story is she succeeded at that well, talk about succeeding. Anita, I was looking forward to this interview, but you have totally <laughs> blown me away. Thank you so much for sharing your time, your insights, and, of course, this amazing book with all of us. Oh, thank you. Well, and I, all of you out there, I urge all you listeners, please, again, children of all ages, I'm in my 70s. You are probably in your 60s or 70s if you're listening to this show. Please check it out, Unforgotten, The Wildlife of Diane Fossey. It's beautifully written. It's filled with incredible photographs, and it's surely going to become a treasure to you, your own library, and those in your family, and enjoyed by all of those who are lucky enough to have it in their own library. So until next time, this is Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio. See you, and I'll catch you later. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.